Welcome to Smart Branding, a podcast dedicated to branding, naming, and domain names. I'm Tatiana Bono, and with my guests, we try to help you create and grow strong, memorable, and meaningful brands online. I believe time is one of our most precious assets, and so I want to thank you in advance if you decide to spend the next 30 minutes with us. I promise to do my best to make those worth it. Let's go. So today our guest is Teresa Houghton. Am I saying that correctly? (laughs) Founder of Modern Health Nerd. Um, She helps entrepreneurs understand who their customers are, how they think, uh, why they choose the products they choose in order to create better and more engaging content. Thank you for making the time. No, thanks for having me. So let's start with a little bit about yourself. How, I mean, tell me a bit more about your background and how it's led you to do storytelling and what you do now. It's kind of interesting. I sort of have, I tell people that I have a background that's sort of like Billy from the comic family circus who occasionally would go all around his neighborhood and there'd just be this dotted line following him all around on his strange and random excursions. I actually have a background in health coaching. I personally, uh, I eat a plant-based diet and that's something that started evolving like about 14 years ago, gave up meat, gave up dairy and all that. And I got really interested in the health part of it. So I wound up with two health coaching certifications and was doing health coaching for a while, but that's a hard sell in my area. So I was simultaneously doing some content writing to kind of pay the bills, support that. Mm. And around the beginning of 2020, uh, literally shortly before the world exploded, I uh, hooked up with a business coach and started to move away from the kind of kind of canned content writing that I was doing into more of a kind of strategy, customer discovery, and more long-form content writing format. And it's evolved a little bit since then, but that's pretty much how it led me here today. I wound up with Modern Health Nerd because for a while I was actually podcasting and that was the name of the podcast. It wasn't the name of my business, but I liked it so much that uh, I rebranded from under my health coaching brand to Modern Health Nerd. And I also am really a writer at heart. I have, I've been telling stories since before I could write. I used to write a ton of fiction. i embarrassingly wrote a ton of fan fiction for a while but didn't every teenager (laughs) and that's still where I'm at I'm also dabbling now in some personal writing on the side that I'd like to bring under the umbrella of the brand because I just I missed doing the more creative type writing so now I'm doing like nonfiction, personal essays opinion pieces on the side so Mm. that's my my random collection of background story <laughs> yeah it's all around stories so like like you said it, it started with you were writing in your teens you said yeah I actually wrote like little stories when I was a kid too that was one of the favorite things that when we did it in school I was like oh boy we get to write stories for an assignment Great. <laughs> I I can totally relate to that I, I remember like when I was well, in my teens, and I think even before that, when they started, um, when we started writing essays, and everybody hated that, and I was like, "Yay, we have more essays!" <laughs> yeah, I wanted to be a journalist, but you know, that didn't happen. So, tell me a little bit more about what you do now, exactly. The the modern health nerd as a brand, as a service. What is it? Well, modern health nerd kind of has two arms to it. I'm leaning way more into the long form content writing right now, but. I offer a service that I call Discover Your Customers, where I will actually go do keyword research, do reading reviews, do research into the customer communities. I'll go into Facebook groups, I'll go into Reddit, and forums are a really untapped space to find where customers are. And the reason I do this is because I've seen a lot of brands who they guess who their customers are. 
or they mm-hmm. make personas based on just research data. And I'm not saying that the data is bad. Obviously, brands have done some really great things by just researching data and, and getting this, the numbers and demographics and those sorts of things. But the issue that I have with just going on that is you can get the data, but you don't understand the mindset behind it. You can say, okay, customers or consumers are doing this. Well, why are they doing this? And that's mm-hmm. one of the things that I do with that discover your customers is to find out why they're doing what they're doing, what they're thinking, why they purchase certain types of products and even maybe bizarre use cases that people wouldn't think of. What I like to use as an example is say you have a protein bar company and you're like, oh, of course, my my target customer has got to be some active person who's you know lifting and this, that, and the other thing. You might find out your target customer is a really busy mom who squeezes in her workout mm. before the entire family's up and now she needs breakfast. So you mm-hmm. could be totally off the mark. And that really also helps you on the content side to understand the kind of words that people are using, the way that they talk, and really the struggles that they're having. And it sounds kind of rudimentary, but it can really be eye-opening. So that's that side. Mm -hmm. And growing out of that, I also have the long-form content writing. I really like to double down on blogs, ultimate guides, people who like to do the really big, long posts. I've done a few of those. Those are really fun, give you a chance to do a deep dive into a particular subject. I'm also big on thought leadership. I don't like the word, but I think Mm -hmm. that it is an untapped resource. There's a lot of people with a lot of good experience, interesting opinions out there. And what they're doing is they're writing blogs for SEO traffic and they're not talking about their interesting opinions. So I think that that is another untapped resource. One thing I Hmm. want to delve more into as well is to help people start telling their stories, start talking about their passions and visions because working largely in plant-based, better for you functional space, there are people who have some significant passion around what they're doing and they have a goal for something larger than their brand. They actually want to make a real impact in the world with what they're doing and on you know the people in their supply chain or the people in their community. And they're not talking about it. They write a little bit about it for their website copy, or they have like a 300 word blog post about it or something, Mm. but they're not really talking about it. So that's where I really want to help people unlock that. I think it's much more powerful than just writing a bunch of SEO copy just for traffic. I actually reached out for a pen and paper there because I wanted to, as you were talking, I I had questions coming up and I'm like, I'm going to forget them. So I, I scribbled some notes here. So first one was... What you said about how you analyze who is the audience and who is the potential customer for something, like that totally speaks to me because I'm like so sick of seeing on whatever, whatever social network, people going on and on about what they do, the effort they put, the time and money they put into effectively pleasing search algorithms. And I'm like, why are we not talking about people? <laughs> you know, I put this, I did that. I used whatever metric. Da, 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 da. They're not even like human words anymore. And I'm like, where are people into that? Why is nobody thinking about what people want and need to, to hear? So that was like what you said about the busy mom and the, you know, cereal bar. That's very much what it comes down to because you're kind of relying on stuff that's third party already, you know, not, yeah. Uh, So it's not, it's not direct connection with those people. And what you're doing, at least if I understand this correctly, it's more like the other way around, like you go behind the scenes and you look at 
people's interactions and you use that social media sort of as a way to collect feedback as opposed to let's create content to please the social media. Exactly. And a couple of things I'd like to just touch on with that really quickly. I wrote a blog post. I actually wrote two on this. One was me basically having a controlled rant about why you shouldn't write this to do the SEO. It was, I finally just saw, I saw these brands just like struggling with this and so many start to blog and then they stop because they don't see the results they want. They get a boatload mm. of traffic, but they don't get conversions because they're not writing for their, their customers. They're writing for the algorithms. So I wrote mm. on that and I wrote another one about things I learned about consumers from working at my local co-op. Uh, we had a member work program and I worked there for like five years. Every Friday night, I spent three hours in the produce department and talked to a bunch of people And this was one of those places where it was a bunch of organic, it was a bunch of local, non-GMO and all of this. And I was, I wrote about the fact that these people would make choices based on things that they only thought they understood, or they did it because they thought they were supposed to choose it. They didn't really know why they were choosing it, or they had like some bizarre fear behind Mm -hmm. what they were choosing and in terms of like organic versus conventional. And that is what I mean with understanding your audience and understanding what they're thinking, because this could be the people who are shopping or exclusively organic. And you could think, oh, you know, they care about the planet. They care about this. They care about that. No, they're terrified of getting cancer because they've been reading too many (laughs) EWG articles. You know, it's like that. That's the kind of thing that is really important to be uncovering. Uh, One other thing, uh, what you said about not writing for the algorithms and where are the people? Uh, I have a friend, his name's Rob Hardy. He wrote this thing about the pattern. He runs uh, this interesting kind of internet experiment community called Ungated. And he wrote his manifesto on the pattern about how all of the major ranking content on the internet does exactly what you said. It follows Hmm. exact same pattern, ticks all the algorithm boxes and does nothing for any actual human being. So Hmm. that, that is, uh, that's in the back of my mind a lot when I'm, when I'm thinking. No, and I think you, you kind of summed it up nicely when you said that what that does is yes, it can, you know, you have a spike in visits and ranking and whatever, and all of those measurements that would make whoever feel like they've done their job and, and justify their existence as a department, if you like, or job, but actually the reality is those don't convert. Yeah. So you've got to look at conversions. Yeah, absolutely. And I think a lot of people, a lot of people are missing that. When you talk about long, um, long content, long-term content, what? T- tell me a bit more about that. Like, let's say we're talking to people who have no idea what that is. Okay. Well, long-form content is there's long-form and there's short-form, and there's not exactly a number that will say this is short-form, this is long-form. Short-form is more like a product page, an about page, so like a page for your site copy. Long-form mm-hmm. content is more from the writing perspective. Long-form content is more like a blog post, an article, a thought leadership article, something that is is going to go a little more in depth into a topic or explore an opinion or you know discuss an issue and you'll find those on blogs you'll find them on places like Forbes and HuffPo and LinkedIn and you'll also find them now a lot in these newsletter platforms like Substack and a lot of that is personal essay type stuff and also some interesting news content over on Substack as well so that's more of what I do I am into, like I said, telling stories and you you can do 
you can do some storytelling with short form. Obviously, people do it a lot like for their for their branding. But if you really want to do a deep dive on a subject or if you're a brand that has a product or service that is complex, SaaS companies come to mind. I worked with a functional mushroom company once that was very complex. So <laughs> we did more deep dives into those kinds of topics so that we could really explore it, really unpack. In that case, it was the science. In the case of a SaaS company, it would be the tech. That's where you're going to want to use that kind of content. It's also really great if you like to do shorter content like videos, or if you're doing social media posts, you can take bits from that and break it down and repurpose Mm -hmm. it across your platforms. And if you're writing content for humans, then all your other content winds up being for humans and not for algorithms. If you do video, you can also do long form video, which is just longer videos. And it's, in my opinion, it's easier to do if you have the written content already prepared, you can just grab your video from there and i mean people are usually like freaking out nowadays about attention span and time and like you you know you have twitter now that you know it's all in there but generally it was literally made on that short short bites of information so like everybody's busy nobody wants to read long stuff how does that work with with the type of content that you describe honestly i don't think it's true i think what's happened is our attention spans have been made shorter I actually quit social media recently. All social media. I no longer use it for, yes, I no longer use it for personal. (laughs) I no longer use it for business. The only thing I use LinkedIn for is to have like a resume page up. And if I need to find a certain person and I use it as like a search engine, but I do not post, I do not read the feeds. And what I have found is I used to be somebody who could sit down with a book and it would just Mm. be like, don't bother me for six hours. Like legit, I'll Mm. just like get up and get food and I'll read this book. Now it's like, I sit down, I read the book for 10 minutes and I'm like, and (laughs) it actually, I I have gone from somebody who had a long attention span to somebody who has this attention span that's always looking for the next dopamine hit. And Mm. I think that that is actually a, an effect, like a side effect of somewhat of the same thing we've been talking about. People are creating what they think people want and then people Mm. begin to consume it, get used to it. And then of course the algorithm and the metrics show, oh, people are consuming this. So we should make more of it. And it's just kind of this Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, downward spiral. Yeah. Yeah. I was in a, I was at a a group meeting uh, this weekend and I think the word, the phrase dopamine cesspool got thrown around when we were Mm. talking about the internet. So I think that, (laughs) I think that people actually crave something that doesn't insult their intelligence. I think that's why places like Substack are getting more popular and, people are gravitating towards content that does not feed the algorithm because they don't, they're sick of going on places like Instagram and Twitter and basically being spoon fed a bunch of brain candy that's making their brains rot. And Mm. if you look at the data, and I will say this with a grain of salt, because we've just been talking about how data can be wrong. But if you look at data, a lot of the very popular blog posts are extremely long. And I know that Mm. some of them are like guides where people are reading bits and pieces. But at the same time, I think that if we started sharing more content that is written for humans, content that comes from humans, like I was saying before, writing about your passions and your visions and things that interest you and your opinions, I mean, back in the day, I'm an older millennial. Back in the day, we all had a live journal. We all had an open diary. What did we do? We spilled our guts out all over the internet. Mm. And, (laughs) you you know, and we read it and it made us feel like maybe we weren't that alone. So I think that the things that are going to speak more to the inner, the inner parts Mm. of people 
rather than just giving them brain candy are actually going to be better received. But people have to be courageous enough to put it out there instead mm. of feeling like I have to feed the brain candy machine. And I think it actually what you're saying, it, it, it goes back and really nicely links to what you were saying at the at the beginning where we were talking about writing for algorithms and writing for people and finding what your audience actually is, who they are, what they need, what they want. Because to go back to the example of the mom with uh, grabbing the energy bar because she just doesn't have the time to do anything else, but she needs the energy. If that type of a person comes across an article that's, you know, two pages long and talks about what that brand thought they're aiming at, which is, you know, the bodybuilders and whatever, Clearly, she won't find time to read it because it's not relevant to her. If she comes across a two-page article about moms who are busy and you know what's best to do and advice and whatever, yeah, she's going to have the time to do that. So it's it really makes sense in that in that respect. Then, if you actually not just producing content to you know have some blanket whatever results, but for real people and you know your audience well, then it's actually beneficial. I mean, like, why wouldn't they want to read more? Exactly. And the other thing about that too is, like I said, I come from working with brands who a lot of them do like e-commerce or CPG direct to consumer stuff. People are really still obsessed with the numbers, but if you have one article, right, and it's drawing, let's say like a thousand visits a day and one person's actually buying your products, maybe people aren't actually even reading it. They're just like, oh, I needed this answer and I found it. And one person's Mm -hmm. like, oh, and this company helped me solve either stuff maybe you're another brand, you have an article, it's getting 10 visits a day and nine of those people are buying stuff. Mm -hmm. You're actually making more money than the other guy. You have to, you can't, you can't measure your ROI in terms of how many people are looking at your stuff, especially if you don't know why. And one other thing is you can't always measure the ROI because there's this, there's people who will come and lurk and read your content and lurk and read your content. And then they come out of the woodwork and they're like, I love your brand. Or maybe they're just talking about your brand everywhere and other people are buying it and they never buy anything. So there are kind of these yeah. hidden these hidden uh, returns on your investment when mm. you write stuff that resonates with people. Yeah, and, and it's hard to measure. So again, I think like if we can sum it up as a, you know, advice that that's definitely the the right for people and know your audience yeah exactly i want to ask one more two more things one is um because you mentioned you also focusing on helping entrepreneurs sort of use and bring up their own story into their brand into their business which is to an extent it's becoming more and more fashionable i guess with with you know some celebrity uh, CEOs and, and people generally sharing their story. So everybody's like, okay, so I can do that as well. Where do you, or how do you draw lines in that in terms of if let's say everybody now is looking for more authenticity, everybody's looking to, you, you kind of want to feel a brand it has a character, has opinions, and, and that really can be supported by the CEO or the founder sharing their story. But equally, it can also, if they do something stupid, for example, or if they say something stupid, it can hurt the brand. So how do you how do you manage that? Well, one thing is, I think there's a lot of faked authenticity out there. People are like, I'm going to tell my story. I'm going to craft my story perfectly so that it follows this formula because, you know, here I was this underdog and then suddenly 
this terrible thing happened and this is what I had to do to overcome it. And now I'm perfect and you can be too. Everybody (laughs) can smell that a mile away for a fake. Everybody can. (laughs) What What I think is more important is actually just being the person that you are. People have very similar struggles, even though they all look different. You know, like we all come from a different road. We all go through different things, but we all deep down struggle with very similar issues. And I find that with entrepreneurs, there's always up and downs. Like if you're a brand, there's how do I get into a retail store or how do I launch my direct consumer or this horrible supply chain thing happened. Those things really happen. You can't make them up. And it's not always going to be this neat, tidy story. Um, I worked with a brand once where basically to get his story out there, we hopped on a call and he just told me his whole story. And I wrote the whole thing down and we said, okay, which of these is really important like to your brand? And those were the pieces we put together. And it wasn't this, it wasn't this, you know, ridiculous, cheesy, I overcame whatever story. It was really his story about him and his family and founding this brand. And I always come back to people like, there's this brand called Midday Squares. They go into stores and they'll like dance with the employees and post the videos, LinkedIn or whatever. And that's just the way that they are. And that's what I'm talking about with your story. You don't necessarily have to craft this marketing story. It's just like, be who you are, talk about what you believe And obviously, since you are representing a brand, you may have to be a little more diplomatic or tactful about certain things than you would say if you were just like sitting around with your friends and family talking about the same thing. But Mm -hmm. don't be afraid to talk about what you really think and what you really believe, even if it's running contrary to the popular narrative. Mm -hmm. I'm working on some stuff like that myself, and it's scary, but it's worth getting out there because I I find and like my friends who do similar things when they actually step out and they put out that opinion that's theirs they find out that they're saying what everyone was thinking but everyone else was too scared to say oh that's that's uh, I'm interesting I think maybe I have to do that more <laughs> I think we yeah, all I mean no it, it's always that concern I guess maybe maybe two-way concern one is saying well what if like people who are supposedly my or potential consumers to my brand don't agree with what I say as a person. And then I guess the question is more like how aligned are you as a founder or as a CEO, whatever, you know, position with your brand? Well, if the people that you are trying to serve run away because they dislike your opinions, maybe they're not the people you're supposed to be serving. I'm very much a fan of Seth Godin, who says his phrase is people like us do things like this. And the people will, (laughs) the people who do the things or think the things or agree with the things that you do, or who are just finding it refreshing that you're talking about what you care about, even if they don't agree, those are people Mm. that are going to congregate around you. It takes longer, but it's worth it. It's not, it's not worth having a million followers who don't care at all about what you care about and are going to are going to drop mm. your brand that at the drop of a hat if you step out of your brand persona versus mm. you know those thousand true fans who actually support what you're doing and are there for you absolutely yeah and, and that's it sounds very similar to what we were saying about you know the, the like you can have thousands of people who clicked and looked at something and the other one can have 10 but nine out of them both so you know what matters yeah. most so what, I mean, you you do with vegan brands only or who do you work with? Like who can work with you? Well, I started 
really around the plant-based space because that was where I was familiar just because my health coaching background is the other thing. Um, I've also worked with some software as a service companies. I'm starting to dabble in web three a little bit, you know, like decentralized autonomous organizations, little bit of little bit of crypto, just very interested in what's going on there. So, and I'm just really more interested now in working with brands that are ready to stop writing SEO pattern content and start getting their thoughts, their opinions, their stories out there and who are willing to play the long game, experiment with something a little different. And maybe they're sitting on a ton of opinions they were too scared to get out. And I'd, you know, <laughs> or, or maybe they just don't feel like they could write it themselves. And I'm also big into just anything that's like health related, functional stuff, anything where you can really nerd out. So it's pretty, it's pretty broad. They, they say, don't, cast a broad net but you know I tried niching down that didn't work so <laughs> <laughs> yeah well there's the, I, I like I, I like finding parallels and things and and when you think in that way actually there's very few things that you can't see parallels with so well I mean even we've been talking about a few already so yeah I, I think it's it's good to have some sort of a focus but then like you say you can branch out and also you have that expertise and that fresh eye when you look into an industry that you haven't been in and you apply what you know from you know what you've learned already in, in your background. And it's fun to just dabble elsewhere and get yeah. and get a broader understanding of different industries. Definitely. And basically the problems are the same. It's just different different topics. Yeah. Cool. Last thing, where can people reach you? Well, if you feel like looking at what I used to do on LinkedIn, I do have a LinkedIn profile, but don't <laughs> message me there because I don't really check it very much. Best way is you can either check out my website, which is modernhealthnerd.com. Or if you want to get in touch, email sam, S-A-M, at modernhealthnerd.com. Sam is an old nickname from back in middle school. We were, you know, it's friends, middle school, teenagers, you know, those nicknames stick. So it's also easier to remember. It's also easier to remember. So yeah, because it was in, in like speech marks with, yeah. uh, with your name. So I was like, oh, what's that? Okay, <laughs> cool. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. It was it was super interesting talking to you. And I'm sure all these visitors, our listeners, that's the word. Our listeners will find that useful too. <laughs> well, I hope so. And I hope that somebody comes away from it with some enthusiasm about getting some content out there that maybe they were a little uncertain about posting before. As we as we mm. used to say, as we used to say when my business coach and I were chatting, just ship it and see what happens. <laughs> That's cool. I love it. Thank you. Great. Thank you for joining us in this episode of Smart Branding Podcast. Feel free to visit smartbranding.com for more information and reach out if you have any suggestions, questions, ideas, or just want to learn more about how a good domain name strategy can help you build a strong and successful brand. See you next time.